What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Lowry. So today is the quarterfinals round of the Hockey East Tournament. I'm going to give a preview of every one of those games. There are four games today, 4 o'clock, 4.30, 7 and 7.30. All four games will be on Nesson and Nesson Plus. I will be breaking down what happened in the Hockey East first round to start. So between BC, UMass, Vermont, UMaine, and then also Providence, UNH. I'll start with those schools, talk what happened in all of those games, and then I'll transition to a preview of every one of the quarterfinals matchups for tonight. So let me start off with the Boston College and UMass Amherst game. BC winning that game 5-2. to two. In my preview episode, which I did right before the game started really, about you know half hour beforehand, I did a preview of that game and of the other two games, Vermont UMaine and then also UNH Providence. And in that preview I did, I talked about BC and how they really were lighting it up. Uh, lighten up the net with goals over the past eight games. And on Wednesday night, they stayed hot. They just consistently were putting shots on net on UMass and making it hot on them. BC scored right away a minute into the first period with a goal from senior captain defenseman. Marshall Warren, he had a goal from the top of the point. Great shot from him. I don't really blame Cole Brady, UMass Amherst goalie on that play. He was really getting screened. And I don't think he had a bad night. If you look at what he did overall the night, 37 saves on 42 shots faced, you would think he had a bad night giving up five goals. But I don't know if I can really blame Brady for any of the goals he gave up. The first goal, he was screened. Second goal, Eamon Powell tacked on another goal for BC off of a deflection. The puck deflected off of Cole Brady's pad. The defenseman there has to hit that away. Rather, he was really just focused on tying up a BC forward, not paying attention. Powell skates in, takes the puck right off the deflection, and scores. So right there, that second goal, the UMass defense, once again, the defensemen were sleeping. Left Brady out to dry. Then UMass responded with a goal from Taylor McCarr, brother of former UMass great and former Hobie Baker award winner, Kale McCarr. He scored a goal for the Minutemen, making it a 2-1 to game. And then Andre Gasso had a great goal for BC, responded with just 15 seconds left in the first period. UMass had a bad turnover in BC's offensive zone. A defenseman lost the puck, fell on the ice, BC took the puck, created a three-on-two. Nikita Nesterenko took it, found Cotagodier, who set up Andre Gasseau for a one-timer in a three-on-two for BC on that play. So I don't blame Cole Brady for that goal either. BC takes a three-to-one lead going into the second period. Into the second period, as I said, it was three-to-one BC. Nikita Nesterenko scored the lone goal of the second period with a bullet over the left shoulder of Cole Brady. Top shelf, no chance Cole Brady out of stopping that puck. I don't know if many goalies could have made a play on that. 4-1 BC heading into the third. Ryan Ufko scored a goal for UMass 22 seconds into the third period. But that was all that UMass really got. That was the closest they were. 5-2 uh, to two was the final. BC got a fifth goal from Nikita Nesterenko. He scored a second goal of the night in a 4-4 four four after Andre Gasso. Stick handled through two uh, UMass Amherst defensemen and set up Nesterenko on the left side of the net by himself for an easy goal. Uh, so BC ends up winning that game 5-2. to two. And as I said, I don't know if any of the goals were Cole Brady's fault. I think if you look at the box you see five goals allowed, you think he had a bad night. But I thought he played well overall. I thought he was left out to dry on multiple occasions by his defense. And he paid the cost, obviously, of the poor defense of the UMass Amherst defenseman. And then also costly turnovers. I don't really blame Cole Brady for that. Mitch Benson was in net for BC. Had 16 saves and 18 opportunities. And one thing I was right about in my predictions was that BC would score five goals. My prediction was BC winning this game 5-3. to three. BC ends up winning 5-2. to two. Marks the third game in a row that BC has scored five goals. I said Nikita Nesterenko had had a big night. 
He had that big night. He did just that for BC, scoring two goals with an assist for three points and a plus four rating. Last time BC played UMass Amherst on a Friday night in February, he went off actually for three goals in that game. So great night for him, always at Conti Forum against UMass. Seems like he always has a good game against them when BC is the home team at Conti Forum. Marshall Warren had a good night as well, plus four rating with a goal. Also had an assist on the last goal by Nikita Nestorenko. And then Andre Gasso had a plus four rating also. He had two assists and a goal on the night. Big night, obviously, there for Gasso. And then obviously Nikita Nestorenko was the storyline of the night for BC. Two goals with an assist. Uh, that second goal he had was a great shot. Great play in a four and four. But that first goal he had, top shelf. Brady had no chance of stopping that. That's a place where not many goalies can make a play at any level. Not many goalies are going to stop that puck, and not many players have the ability to shoot at that location where Nikita Nesterenko did. So credit to him on that big game. Obviously helped BC get that big 5-2 to two win. Vermont, UMaine. I had UMaine winning this game a close one. I think my prediction was 2-1 to one or 3-2. to two. I was wrong about who would win the game. I thought UMaine would win the game in a close one. But UVM, surprised. They were great in this game. They win that game 4-2. to two. They started the game very slow. They only had four shots to go in the first period compared to Maine's 16 in the first period. But in the third period, that's when Vermont really took over the game. They scored three straight unanswered goals in the last 13 minutes of the game. As I said, they returned 2-1 to one going into the third. And for a team that can't really score as many goals as the other teams in the Hockey East, having any bit of a deficit that you have to come back from is tough. So Vermont finding a way to score three straight goals to end the game in the last 13 minutes is very impressive. Obviously, taking over the game in the third period is a big reason they won the game, winning it 4-2. to two. I said our prediction Vermont would be in this game. I really couldn't pick two underdogs in that Wednesday night slate of the first-round games. I couldn't pick UNH and UVM to win, so I sided with UNH as my upset pick of the night. But UVM, I knew they would be in the game. I thought it would be a close one. I thought it would be a one-goal game, maybe 3-2, to two, but they ended up winning that game 4-2, to two, as I said. UVM stayed even with Maine in shots on goal, 30-30. to 30. They were down 16-4 to four in shots on goal in the first period. But the difference of the game was Vermont found a way to get shots on goal in the third. 14 shots on goal to close the game in the last period for the Catamounts. They scored on three of those 14 shots. Maine started out hot. Lyndon Breen scored his 20th goal of the season for the Black Bears on a power play in the first period. And then the Cats responded with a big power play goal from Timofey Spitzerov. He had a big goal, made it 1-1. It was 1-1 heading into the third period, so a close game there. Breen scored his 21st goal, 48 seconds into the third period, giving UMaine a 2-1 lead with 19 minutes to go. Maine found a way to score three goals at the 7-minute mark, 13-minute mark, and 19-minute mark, getting three straight goals. They started out, obviously, very slow on shots on goal, but they found a way to recover from that. As I said, they tied Maine 30-30 in shots on goal, which is impressive for a team that was down 16-4 in shots deficit after the first period. But they got that goal from Spitzeroff to make it 1-1. Breen scores that second goal from Maine, making it 2-1. And then three straight goals in the last 13 minutes for UVM to win the game. Andre Bujalski, he had a big goal, his fifth goal of the year, to make it 2-2. Then Isaac Walter scored a power play goal, his ninth of the year, to give Vermont a 3-2 lead. And then William LeMay had a goal on a shorthanded empty net goal with 38 seconds to go to give Vermont a 4-2 lead, which that's how the game ended up closing. Gabe Carrier was in net for UVM. He was great for the Cats, 28 saves and 30 save opportunities. He was actually the goaltender of the week by the Hockey East last week. That was announced on Monday night, so before this quarterfinals game on Wednesday. And he stayed hot in that game on Wednesday, 28 saves against Maine. Now has nine wins on the year to go along with seven games where he had 30 or more saves. So he's finding his footing at the right time. And obviously, Vermont needs that, considering they have to go up against BU today at 430, which is not going to be an easy matchup. As for UMaine, their goalie was Victor Osman. 
Pretty good year for Osman. He was a great goalie for them all season. 26 saves and 29 opportunities for him on the night. What I like about Vermont, though, is how international their roster is. And I went to a game at the Gunnison Fieldhouse versus Northeastern in February. And one thing I liked about Vermont was they were a bottom 10 team in the pay-wise rankings at that point in the season, mid-February. And they still filled up the Fieldhouse. The arena was still filled with fans, which I thought was awesome. So it shows they still have a, a good following in Vermont, which is great. I always like seeing teams that have passionate fan bases, and I was happy to see a team that even though they're struggling in the past few years and they haven't really been great, haven't been anywhere near the middle half of the Hockey East over the past four or five years now, they still found a way to fill up the Gunnison Fieldhouse on a home game on a Saturday night, which was awesome. And another cool thing I just learned about UVM's roster is that they have nine players from nine different countries on their roster. There's at least one player from nine different countries on their roster, which is nuts. They have a player from Finland, Latvia, Russia, Slovakia, Sweden, Germany, Kazakhstan, Canada, and the United States. So that's probably going to be the most international roster in the entire country in college hockey. So pretty cool group of players there. Nine different countries are represented on that UVM Catamounts roster. Moving on now to the Providence-UNH game. I had UNH winning this game in a close one. I thought it was going to be, I think, 3-2 to two is my prediction. Providence ends up winning this game 2-1 to one in overtime. So I was right about it being a close game, a one-goal game. Providence ends up getting the better of UNH in this one. 2-1 to one in OT, as I said. This game was an absolute battle, and that's what I had in my predictions. I said UNH, towards the end of the season, started to play better hockey, and that's why I kind of fell for the trap. I thought they'd be the upset pick of the night. They beat UConn twice. In Maine twice in shootouts. They beat UConn in regulation twice and then Maine twice in shootouts towards the end of the season. So I thought they could steal a game from Providence to start the first round of the hockey's tournament. UNH did play hard in this one. They just didn't have enough at the end of the day. The story of this game was the battle of the third and fourth lines between UNH and Providence. The lone goal from UNH came from their fourth line right wing, Connor Lovett. He tied the game 1-1 going into the third period. That was his first goal of the season. Obviously coming at a big time for the Wildcats. As for Providence, their two goals came from third and fourth line players. Craig Needham scored the first goal for Providence, his fifth of the year. And then Jamie Engelbert had the goal in overtime to win the game for Providence 2-1. UNH was very disciplined in this game. They only had one penalty. Providence only had two, so it wasn't really a game that was based off of penalties. It was really evenly disciplined between both sides. Not many penalties, as I said, so it wasn't really penalties that lost game for UNH. But at the end of the day, Providence ends up getting the win 2-1 to one in overtime. Now I'm going to start off with a preview of each of the games for the quarterfinals, which starts today. UMass Lowell will be traveling to UConn today at 4 o'clock. That game will be on Nesson. This is actually the first time that the two programs have met in the Hockey East Tournament. Both of these teams made deep runs in the Hockey East Tournament last year, though. UMass Lowell lost in the Hockey East Semifinals to UMass Amherst. And then UConn lost in the Finals to UMass Amherst last year. UConn actually beat Northeastern in the Hockey East Semifinals last year at the TD Garden. And then ended up losing in the Finals to Amherst. UMass Lowell all-time is 29-13-3 versus UConn. UMass Lowell heading into this in their last 10 games is 3-5-2. And, and UConn is 6-4 in their last 10 games. UConn is 12-2-3 at home, while UMass Lowell is 6-8-1 on the road. UMass Lowell has been known to be making deep runs in this tournament over the past few years. They've actually made the semifinals two straight tournaments. And they also have won the Hawk East tournament three times since 2013. They won in 2013 over BU, won in 2014 over UNH, lost in 2015 against BU, lost in 2016 to Northeastern. So that was four straight years in the finals for the UMass Lowell team. And then they also won in 2017. So they made the Hawk East finals five straight years, winning in 13, 14, and 17, and losing in 2015 and 2016. They lost in the finals in 2021 to UMass Amherst, who won two straight years in 2021 and 2022. Obviously, story is different this year for UMass Amherst with them dropping 
that game on Wednesday night to BC to end their season. But as I said, U.S. Lowe has been known to make runs in this tournament. They've made the semifinals. Two straight tournaments have made the finals in six of the last nine Hockey East tournament championships, which is very impressive. Obviously, that's not something that's easy to do considering how good the Hockey East has been historically over the last 10 years. But they've always found success somehow in the Hockey East tournament. This season, Lowell and UConn played each other for a two-game series. They split it one and one, each team getting a win. Both teams won their home game in this series. UMass Lowell won 3-2 in overtime. UMass Lowell won the first game, 3-2 in overtime at the Songus Center in Lowell. And then the Huskies won game two of that series, 4-2 in regulation at UConn. UMass Lowell coming into this. They've been a team that's been struggling when they allow three-plus goals. They're actually 1-11 on the year when they allow three-plus goals in a game. UConn's a team that can score. They're averaging 3.23 goals per game. That's why I like UConn in this game. I'm going to give a whole breakdown of the matchup. But I do like UConn in this game. UMass Low is 5-9-1 when their opponent scores first, but they are 12-5-2 when they score first. So if UMass Low wants to win this game, they have to start the game on a high note, get a goal right away. And that's probably what their game plan is to start out hot and get a goal in the first period and have a lead going into the second. As for UConn, they're a team that could score goals, I said, 3.23 goals per game, which is actually 12th best in the NCAA. UMass Lowell only averaging 2.49 goals per game, which is 49th in college hockey. UMass Lowell does do well on defense, though. They're allowing just 2.29 goals per game, which is actually 9th best in the NCAA. Gustas Davis Gregals is the goalie for UMass Lowell. He's a transfer from Alaska in 22 games. He has a 918 save percentage with 2.14 goals allowed per game. Kyle Berglund is UMass Lowell's best scorer on the year with 12 goals, 15 assists, and 27 points. He's first for the Riverhawks in points and goals on the year. And then for UConn, their home run scorer is Ryan Verberg. He actually has 15 goals, 15 assists, and 30 points on the year. Justin Pearson is second on the team in goals with 13 on the year for UConn. He has 14 assists and 27 points overall. And then Matthew Wood is a freshman for the Huskies who has 33 points off 11 goals and 22 points. He's their leading scorer overall. So for my prediction for this game, I like UConn to win this game. A close one, but I think UConn wins this one 4-3, a high-scoring game. As I said, UMass Lowell is just 1-11 on the year. One win, 11 losses when they allow three-plus goals. And they're playing a UConn team that can score. So I like UConn to win this game 4-3. Next up is Vermont visiting BU. This game will be at 4-30. This one will be on Nesson, and then the UConn and UMass Low game will be on Nesson Plus at 4. So these two teams met for two games earlier in the season in February at the Gunnison Fieldhouse. BU winning both those games 5-3 and 3 to nothing. So a margin of 8-3 were the two games overall. BU obviously can score goals. Everyone knows that. But one thing to note is that Vermont, for some reason, plays better on the road at a Guinness Arena. And that's where the game will be tonight. They split the season series in January of 2022. So not this season, but last season. So the 2021-2022 season. They split the series at Aganis Arena. One-to-one. All-time in postseason play. Vermont and BU have met seven times. Vermont is 2-5 and five in those seven games. Boston University defeated Vermont actually in the Frozen Four tournament in 2009. 5-4. So BU obviously got the better of them overall historically in postseason play. Vermont historically versus BU overall all-time is 24-57-10, so obviously have not had the best of luck against BU. Wednesday was Vermont's first postseason win since 2018, and that gave Vermont a chance to go to the quarterfinals for the first time since 2017. A win today would actually give them their first semifinal appearance since 2015 in the Hockey East Tournament. I think Vermont could use their size uh, to play aggressive in this game and play physical. The average height of UVM is 6'2", which is actually the tallest in college hockey. 
I know when I've seen BU play against Northeastern and against BC, they were physical games, and I think BC and Northeastern got the better of BU in some of those games because they were using their physicality and getting BU off the puck. Maybe UVM uses a similar strategy tonight and uses their height and size to their advantage. We'll see what happens, obviously. As for the Terriers, BU is coming off of a Hockey East regular season title, their 11th in program history. Credit to Terriers head coach Jay Pandolfo, who became the first head coach in BU's program history to win 20 games in their first season. BU overall has nine Hockey East tournament titles with their last coming in 2018. BU is 8-4 in their last 12 Hockey East tournament games. And all-time, BU is 15-3 in the quarterfinals as the Hockey East number one seed. This is the first time BU is actually the number one seed since 2015. A guy to watch out for on BU is senior captain defenseman Dominic Fensori. Nine goals, 18 assists, 27 points on the year. Also adding in 35 shots blocked. So crisp on offensive defense. He was actually out for a little bit of the season, middle of the season when BC played BU earlier. And that's one thing that BU is obviously missing. Not having him is obviously a big difference maker considering Fensori is one of the best defensemen in all college hockey. But he's healthy now. And he's obviously a big part of that BU offensive defense. BU's forwards Matt Brown and Lane Hudson are tied in points for the Hockey East with 43 apiece. Brown has 15 goals, 28 assists, and 43 points on the year. Hudson and Brown both average 1.3 points per game, which is both tied for 7th best in college hockey. Vermont has to find a way to slow those two guys down. Brown and Hudson, you cannot let them beat you. And you probably need Gabe Carrier to have an elite game like he had on Wednesday night. You need him to be doing what he's been doing the last few games for UVM to have a chance in this game. I think UVM's game plan for this is to stay hot from Wednesday's game from the third period. Embrace being the underdog. Try to score first. Start out hot and put pressure on BU. If they get out to a 1-0 lead against BU, that's huge momentum because all the pressure flips to BU. And I always say that the most dangerous team is to play a team that's playing with house money. And that's what UVM's doing here. No one expects them to even beat UMaine on Wednesday night. They end up doing that, getting a big win on the road, and now have a chance to play BU and get into the semifinals for the first time since 2015. Obviously, this will be an uphill battle, and I need to have an underdog pick on the day. So you'll hear in just a second what my prediction is for this game. But for BU, though... One thing they haven't been doing well is coming back when they're trailing. They really haven't won too many games here when they're trailing. They had three and six on the season after trailing in the first period. So after the first period, if they're going into the second period trailing, they're only three and six on the year. They are six and ten, though, when they're scored on first overall. So a big advantage BU has, though, is they start out and get out front ahead of you to start the game early. And that's what UVM can't do here. They have to find a way to get the first goal of the game. That's huge momentum, as I said. One advantage for BU is that this game's at Aganis Arena. They're 13-3 at Aganis Arena in the year. They're 11-2 in games on Saturdays. But one thing I think could play to UVM's advantage here is that the Catamounts could be taken for granted and be taken lightly in this game. Since BU's already in the Frozen Four tournament, no matter what happens in this Hockey East tournament, they could say, oh, we don't have to win. We can just game plan lightly and not play as hard as we should. And that's why I think UVM could surprise in this game. I think UVM could surprise in this game. UVM on the year obviously has been struggling to score goals. They are currently right now the third worst or second worst in college hockey in goals per game with 1.85 goals per game. BU averaging 3.91 goals per game, just fifth best in college hockey. Obviously, there's a big differential here in goal scoring ability between UVM and BU. But I think UVM could play with a chip in their shoulder. And if UVM could somehow find a way to have a lead going into the third period, I think they win that game. Because BU right now in the season is 19-1 when leading after two periods but they are 1-7 when trailing after two periods. So 
I know BU can get out on you early and quick and score goals right away in a blink. They have that ability because of the speed and their playmaking uh, on both sides of the puck, whether it's offense or defense. They, they force you to turn, turn the puck over as well. That's one thing they do well is force you to turn the puck over and they take advantage of three-on-twos with their speed. But I think if UVM could find a way to be in this game, maybe be up by a goal after the first period, I think they could win this game. I think it'll be a close game. That's my prediction. I think BU's game plan is just to light up the shots on goal. That's what they've been doing all year. They average 34.8 shots on goal per game, which is fourth best in the country. As I said, they're fifth best in goals per game with 3.91. And UVM is 61st, which is second or third to last in college hockey with 1.85 goals per game. BU's actually been held to fewer than 30 shots on goal just seven times on the year. And they've outshot their opponents in every single game but nine games this season. So they're going to light it up on shots on goal and Gabe Carrier. Hopefully he has a good game like he had on Wednesday night. We'll see, obviously, what happens. But BU does play with a speed that UVM may not be ready for, obviously losing those two games at the Gutterson Fieldhouse, 5-3 to three and 3 to nothing. But this game is different. The hockey's tournament, single elimination. You just got to win one game, and then you advance to the next round. It's not best two out of three like it used to be. So you can take advantage of teams that may take you lightly, and that's why I think UVM could be in this game. UVM on the year. Has been great in penalty kill. They're actually 17th best in penalty kill percentage in college hockey at 83%. BU is 37th in the penalty kill at 80% on the year. BU is a team that takes a lot of penalties. 4.87 penalties per game, which is 47th in college hockey. But on the other side, Vermont is a very disciplined team. Just 3.65 penalties per game, which is 11th best in the NCAA. So we'll see what happens in this game today. I like UVM in this for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe I sound crazy, and I know I need an upset pick. So if I do get this one wrong, I apologize. I like UVM in this one. I like UVM to win this one, a close one, maybe 4-3. to three. It might sound crazy, and honestly, I want to pick Vermont on Wednesday night. I didn't do that, and I regretted it. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take them in the next game. They're playing with house money, obviously making it to the quarterfinals, and no one gave them a chance. I like them to be in this game today. Even if they were to lose, I like them to be within a goal or two of that BU team. Obviously, BU can score goals, and that's one thing that Vermont has to do is try to slow BU down. They're not going to win this game if it's five or six goals because Vermont only averaging 1.85 goals per game. They probably won't score more than four goals in this game if they were to get four again. So give me BU losing this game to Vermont 4-3. to three. If BU wins this game, it'll probably be a blowout realistically. It could be like a 7-3 to, to three game knowing how good BU has been at scoring on the year. But I think UVM can stay close this one, as I said. If it were to be a blowout, it won't be UVM blowing out BU. It's going to be a close game if UVM wins this one. But the point of what I'm saying is if BU wins this game in a blowout fashion, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 7-3. to three. But if it's a close game, i like Vermont to win this one. If it's a close game, i like Vermont to win. And part of it could just be because I like rooting for the underdog. I'm not a BU fan, as people know. I like Northeastern and BC hockey. Obviously, Northeastern is my program, and, and BU has been obviously a rival of Northeastern in BC forever. So you can never really be a fan of BU, and you always want to root against them. But I like the underdog pick here because, for some reason, I like teams that are counted out. I like players that are counted out. And that's what UVM was. No one really saw them even winning on Wednesday night. So they're coming into this with house money. And that's why I like them to be in this game versus BU. As I said, give me 4-3, to three, UVM winning this one. But... I mean, good thing it's only just one game and it's not a best two of three because best two of three, UVM would obviously struggle trying to beat BU twice. But it's single elimination. Anybody can win. So I'm going to go with my upset pick of the night. Obviously, this is a big one, probably the biggest upset pick of the season. They are here in college hockey. I like UVM this one, in this one in a close game, four to three.
And UVM's had a great day. They actually just clinched a spot in the March Madness tournament. UVM basketball beating UMass Lowell earlier today. So it could be UVM's day. We'll see what happens for the Cats today against BU at 4.30. Next up is Providence at Northeastern. Providence coming off a close win against UNH. They could have lost that game. They're really lucky to get out of there with a win in advance of the quarterfinals. Providence is seeking its 18th appearance in the semifinals and 7th under head coach Nate Lehman. The last time they appeared in the semifinals was 2021. Providence on the year averaging 2.86 goals per game, which is 31st in college hockey. Northeastern at 3.12 goals per game, which is 20th in the NCAA. They're both pretty good goaltending uh, in, in stats, both giving up around 2.3 goals per game. Northeastern giving up 2.35 goals per game, which is 10th best in college hockey. And then you get Providence giving up 2.4 goals per game, which is currently 12th best in the NCAA. One thing Providence does well is shots on goal. They're, they're averaging right now 35.4 shots on goal, which is third best in college hockey. Then you got Northeastern, who's 35th, middle of the pack in the NCAA with 29.1 shots on goal per game. Neither team is great in the power play. Northeastern currently scoring on 17.8% of power plays, which is 42nd in the country. Then you got Providence at 18.5% of power play opportunities they score on, which is 38th in the country. As for penalty kill, both programs are pretty good. Right now, Providence is at 82.6% PK rate, which is 15th best. And then you've got Northeastern, who's been great in the penalty kill all year. And credit to Hunter McDonald, freshman defenseman who was drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers. He's been great all year for them on the PK, averaging an 84.6% penalty kill, which is 7th best in the NCAA. So we'll see what happens in this game tonight. This is actually the fifth year in a row that the Northeastern Huskies have gotten an automatic bid to the quarterfinal round of the Hockey's Tournament. Getting in, obviously, this year as a top five seed. You don't have to play in the first round. Uh, being able to be a top five seed, you just get in to the second round right away. So that's why teams like Northeastern and BU and UMass Lowell did not have to play on Wednesday night because they were top five in the Hockey East and top five teams do not have to play in the first round. They qualify for the quarterfinal round no matter what. Northeastern won their last Hockey East tournament in the 2018-2019 season, beating BC in that game 3-2. to two. Overall, Northeastern is the three seed in this tournament, and they have three Hockey East tournament titles to their name. So we'll see if this year could be a fourth one. This is the sixth time in the Hockey East tournament that Northeastern Providence are playing each other. The first time they've played each other in the Hockey East tournament since the 2018 semifinal game, where the Providence Friars won that game 3-2 to two in overtime. Providence is 4-1 and one all-time in the Hockey East tournament versus Northeastern. These two programs faced each other earlier in the season in February, just about a month ago now. They played each other on February 10th. Northeastern coming back from 3-0 deficit to score three unanswered goals in the last nine minutes of the game in the third period, sending the game to overtime. Each team went scores in overtime, and then it went to a shootout where Northeastern won the game off of the stick of Ada McDonough, who scored the lone shootout goal for the Huskies, giving Northeastern a win in that shootout. Devin Levi was great in that game with a season-high 54 saves. Providence won at Matthews Arena in October, so it's a long time since they've played at Matthews Arena, and a lot's happened in the season since October. Providence won that game at Matthews 2-1. Northeastern, credit to Devin Levi and what the program has done turning the season around. Devin Levi's been a big reason Northeastern has gotten back on track. He's actually a finalist for the Mike Richter Award, which is given to the best goaltender in college hockey. The second year in a row, he was a finalist for it. He actually won it last year, and he's a finalist again this year. He was the Hockey East Goaltender of the Year as well, getting that award this past week. He's currently third best in college hockey in shutouts with six. He's third in saves with 
1,034 saves on the year, and he's number one in goaltending save percentage on the year with a 93.2% save percentage. Levi helped Northeastern win its fourth Beanpot title in the last five tournaments, which is very impressive, and he also won Beanpot MVP and also won the Eberle Award, given to the best goaltender with the highest save percentage in the tournament. So credit to Devin Levi on turning the season around. As of Providence, they've not been great in the second half of the season. They are 1-5-1 in January, 2-2-1 in February, and 1-2 in March. So they are 3-7-2 overall in the last 12 games. Northeastern turned their season around in the second half, 10-3-1 in the last 14 games. They had a bad stretch in the middle of the season where they lost to Sacred Heart, Union, Bentley, and then they also lost to Western Michigan Harvard over that stretch. Two teams that are really good, though, in Western Michigan Harvard. Two very good programs, so losing to them is not that bad. But only beating Long Island in overtime and then losing to Sacred Heart, Union, and Bentley is not what you want to see out of a team that has frozen four hopes and obviously has dreams to make a run in the tournament. You can't be losing games middle of the season to Sacred Heart, Union, and Bentley. But they somehow found a way to turn it around. They won their last regular season game of the year last week. Beating UMass Lowell 7-3 on senior night at Matthews Arena with a first-time goal from senior Alex Mella and then also goals from seniors Liam Walsh, Matt DeMellis, Yakov Novak, and Ada McDonough. So five seniors scored on senior day for Northeastern, which is very exciting. McDonough on the year, 20 goals, 18 assists, 38 points for 10th best in college hockey and goals. Justin Ritzkovian was a second-team uh, Hockey East selection while... Devin Levi and Aiden McDonough were first team. Ritzkovian on the year, 15 goals, 21 assists, 36 points. He was actually the best defensive forward in the Hockey East, which is very impressive. And then Hunter McDonald won the best defensive defenseman in the Hockey East. So credit to Northeastern on turning the season around and obviously winning a lot of big games toward the end of the season. They're getting the honor and recognition for it, obviously, with Devin Levi being a finalist for the Richter Award, winning the Hockey East Goaltender of the Year Award, and then also having three guys picked in the first team and second team of the Hockey East. One guy to keep your eye on for that Northeastern team is Matt Chupani. He's been on a tear as of late in the second half of the season. He's got 10 goals, 9 assists, and 19 points overall in the year. The goaltender for the Friars is Philip Svedebach. I think that's how you pronounce it. I apologize if I am wrong. Giving up 2.236 goals per game with a 9.07 save percentage. And then Parker Ford is the leader in goals for the Providence Friars with 11 goals on the year to go along with 14 assists and 25 points. For Northeastern, they have to play their game, get hot early, start out with the goal in the first period. Providence is going to shoot probably 35 to 40 times on goal for sure. I'd say it's a definite that they're going to have 35 shots on goal. So Northeastern just has to limit their penalties, which has killed them before during the middle of that season stretch where they were just struggling that six-game stretch. They've been really good with penalties as of late. They have to limit that, obviously continue to do what they've been doing towards the end of the season over that last 14-game stretch. That's given them 10 wins, three losses, and a tie. That's what Northeastern really needs. That 10-3-1 stretch over the last 14 games saved Northeastern's season and really gave them a chance to get back in to the was the four conversation, which is obviously a big goal of the team since they brought back so much talent from last year's roster and even added so much more in freshman talent in guys like Cam Lund, Hunter McDonald, just to name a few there. So hopefully Northeastern can get some success tonight early in the first period. My prediction is Northeastern winning this game 4-2. to two. Next up is Boston College. we playing Merrimack at 7.30. The schools are meeting for the 14th time in the Hockey East Tournament. They last met in the 2018 Hockey East Tournament when BC swept Merrimack in a best-of-three series in the quarterfinals. As I said, it used to be a best-of-three series to determine who won the Hockey East Tournament. It's no longer like that. Obviously, now it's single elimination. I believe it used to be the first round in the quarterfinals round. It used to be best-of-three, and then it would be single elimination after that for the semifinals and finals. But now it's just single elimination all the way through. 
They met in the Hawk East Championship game in 2011, which BC ended up winning that game 5-3 over Merrimack. BC was the one seed that year. Merrimack was the four. BC won that game for their 10th league title overall in the Hawk East Tournament. Merrimack, this will be the first time they've actually had a home game in the quarterfinals since 2010-2011. So very impressive there. It's the first time having a home game in the quarterfinal game of the Hockey's Tournament since the 2010-2011 season. BC overall is 76-26-7 versus Merrimack all time. And then Merrimack played BC earlier this season. It gave BC a lot of trouble. They actually swept BC and swept the season series for the first time since 1997, winning the first game in November 3-1 and then winning the next night 5-2. BC had a ton of penalties in that game, and so did Merrimack in both games. The two teams combined for 14 penalties, combined for a total of 28 penalties between the two programs in those two games. Merrimack has not been good in the power play. They have a 14.3% power play percentage on the year. BC has been good in the power play, 24.4% overall in the year. Merrimack's penalty kill is at 80.9%, and BC is at 76%. So expect the special teams to come up big for whatever team wins this game. BC is 5-3 in their last eight games, 5-4-1 in their last 10 overall. They've scored five goals in three straight games, which is very impressive. Merrimack coming in very hot, winning five games in a row, sweeping BU and UMass Lowell, and also beat Vermont to end their season last week 4-1 on March 4th. BC outshot UMass Amherst 42-18 on Wednesday night. That's one thing they have to do today is get shots on goal against Merrimack. They only needed 16 saves from Mitch Benson to win that game, so BC's game plan probably is just to try to light it up on shots on goal again. BC has scored three-plus goals in seven of their last eight games, so the offense is getting hot at the right time. But like the other teams I've talked about in this preview, whatever team wants to win this game, they have to start out hot and start out with a lead. That's just the main goal as a team in the Hockey's tournament. Since it's single elimination, getting that first goal puts so much pressure on that other team, and that's what BC has to do in this game. They have to get out to a lead right away. Merrimack has been good in net all year. Zachary Borgiel is their goalie, who's averaging 2.08 goals per game on the year. So just a 2.08 goals against average, which is pretty good. With a 9-17 save percentage, Merrimack is 8-2 in games when they've been outshot by their opponent, which is very impressive. So even when they are outshot, they've still won 8 of 10 games on the year. Merrimack is 1-9 on the season when trailing after the first period, and they are 5-10-1 when their opponent scores first. So BC has to find a way to get out to a lead and score right away. BC is 11-3-2 on the year when scoring first, but 3-11-4 when their opponent scores first. When they're leading after the first period, they are 9-1. When trailing after the first period, they are just 1-8-2 on the year. So whoever scores the first goal in most of these games is going to have a big advantage. For Merrimack, junior forward Alex Jeffries is their leading scorer with 14 goals, 27 assists, and 41 points overall on the year. Jeffries has been good for that Warriors squad all season. And then Ben Brar is tied with him for the team leading goals with 14, senior forward Ben Bra has a 15 rating on the plus 15, plus minus rating, which is very impressive. So that's obviously two guys that BC has to watch out for in Brower and Jeffries if they want to win this game. For BC, Cutter Godier, fifth overall pick to the Philadelphia Flies in the 2022 NHL Draft, has been terrific on the season for the Eagles. 16 goals, 21 assists, 37 points. Nikita Nesterenko is tied with him for the most assists on the Eagles with 21. Nesterenko has 13 goals and 34 points overall in the year with those 21 assists. Mitch Benson... Uh, Colgate transfer to BC has had a good season for BC. Not a great one, but a good season. A 90.1% save percentage, giving up 2.7 goals per game. Merrimack on the year is 10-5-1 at home. BC's 5-8-4 on the road. So you'd like Merrimack to have an advantage, obviously being the home team, with BC not really playing well on the road all season. But one thing, as I said, 
if BC could just stay hot and keep the shots up on goal like they were doing last game, they could win this game. They could win this game. BC needs to score in this one to win. BC on the year is 0-11-4 when scoring two goals or less. So they're not going to win a 2-1 or a 1-0 game. That's a reality. BC is not going to win this game by scoring two goals or less. They need three goals or more. BC on the year when they score four goals is 4-0-1. When they score five goals, they are 6-1 on the year. But as I said, when they score less than two goals, two goals or less, they are 0-11-4. And if BC could find a way to get a lead after the first period... I like their chances in this one. They are 9-1 on the year when Trinley after one. And that kind of goes for every team in this tournament and just college hockey in general. Most teams have a bad record when trailing after one, and most teams have a really good record when scoring the first goal of the game and having a lead heading into the first period. But the reality is, for BC, they just got to keep up that momentum that they had the other night. For every team in the Hockey East tournament, they all probably need to win the Hockey East tournament, or at least make a run, at least for Northeastern, UMass Lowell, Merrimack, those three programs probably have to make a run, like UConn as well, have to make a run in the Hockey's tournament to try to get into the Frozen Four tournament. BU will be in the Frozen Four tournament no matter what. But then the rest of the teams, they all have to win the Hockey's tournament if they want to get in. And that's if you want to guarantee. Because Northeastern could get to the finals and lose and not make it in. There's a chance. So every team wants to obviously win the Hockey's tournament to try to get in with an automatic bid. So we'll see what happens for BC. Hopefully they start out with the goal. As I said, they're 9-1 on the year went leading after the first period. So we'll see what happens in the game tonight. I like Nikita Nestorenko to stay hot, and I think Trevor Kuntau could have a good game for BC tonight as well. I like BC to win this one 4-3 to three in a close game. Obviously, we'll see what happens. Merrimack is a team that could give BC some trouble. They've given BC trouble overall in the past. Ben Breyer has given BC a lot of trouble in nine career games with three goals, three assists, and six points. Alex Jeffries has two goals, two assists, and four points in eight games with BC. And then Philip Forsmach for the Merrimack Warriors has three goals, two assists, and five points in six games against the Eagles. So we'll see what happens in the game tonight, but i like BC to win this one in a close game, 4-3. to three. Anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good night and a great weekend. Thank you.